Welcome to the Next Gen Podcast presented by Church on the Move. Our goal is to equip our leaders to effectively reach the next generation. Hey everybody, thanks so much for tuning in to the Next Gen Podcast. Again, a friendly reminder, this the whole goal, the whole reason uh, that we do this podcast is to equip you, our leaders, to effectively reach our students and kids. Today in the studio, we've got Jared Hogue. Hello, everyone. And Pastor Greg. Hey, everybody. Today, we are going to be starting a uh, probably a multiple episode conversation about something we believe is a really, really big deal, and that is small groups. Small groups? That's right. Small groups are a big deal. Am I you right? You guys did a song about small groups. We did. It was super cool. It was real fun. It was a, it was a rap song, something I'm not uh, very good at. <laughs> so wait, we Neither is Jared. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> so we delegate that stuff out to the professionals, as it were. Um, now... We, we've actually made some significant shifts in uh, COTM in recent years in regards to small groups. Pastor Greg, can you kind of just give us a little bit of the history of how uh, we introduce small groups to just our church culture in general before we dive into what we do at NextGen? Well, uh, years ago, Pastor, had there was a plan for, for Church on the Move to begin small groups. And at that time, the Lord had uh, just interrupted it with Pastor and said, it's not time. Yeah. I don't want you to do this right now. And it was correct. Of course, we live, we're in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where there's a lot of, uh, can be a lot of weirdness associated with this. There's a lot of Bible schools and mm-hmm. students coming up that want to start their own ministries. And I, th- I think Pastor felt like, you know, this could be really harmful for our church if we let people just do what they want in small groups. So he didn't do that. And then it came up about three or four years ago. And, um, I had the chance to at least launch part of that with him, and then it was turned over once I came to uh, stu- uh, Next Gen. But uh, that's right. I forgot that you actually were in the early stages of, of launching small groups for a church on the move. You were uh, in the beginning of those conversations, yes. right? Yeah, I actually launched. I was the f- one that helped launch the very first. Wow, that's awesome. Group, which was wow. about twelve hundred people. That's awesome. And so, it's taken time. You know, there's our church has changed over time. Yeah. And we're in a much better place to do that with the people that we have here. So, And then we just decided we're going to do this with students and all the way down to kids. Yeah. I mean, we do it from nursery all the way through adults. Yep, that's awesome. And, and here's the thing, uh, you know, we're not typically known as the type of church that just starts something just for the sake of starting something, uh, usually very well thought out, researched reason. Um, with that in mind, what would you say, if you could kind of sum it up, what's the why behind the what of small groups? Like, why did we, you know, we've been in existence for what, 29 years, basically, yes. and, and only within the last three years or so, we've, we've decided, hey, it's time for us to do small groups. Why is that? Well, basically, the culture we came out of, the teaching ministry was the most important thing that could happen. So whatever happened on the stage right. from the senior pastor speaking was all you needed to survive and be successful as a, as a Christian. And then as we began to study and look at Scripture and other people, we found out that's not, it's the catalyst for yeah. life change, but it doesn't mean life change happens. When you, we, we talk about it like this. Spiritual growth happens in the context of relationships. Okay. So... I can hear all I want, but if I have no one to help me walk that out in my own personal life, 
it's of no value. As a matter of fact, I think all of we've talked about this before, all three of us. We can't even tell each other the last five sermons that we heard. Right. Mm -hmm. But we can tell you really quickly three to five people in our lives that have impacted us, that have helped us grow spiritually. Yeah. And most people can recite that rather quickly. Yeah. Where they can't recite a sermon. So you, you, you know, you take. And it's not that the sermon portion is obsolete by no means, right? Because no. faith comes by hearing, hearing hey. by the Word of God. But the the you know basically what you're saying, <clears throat> excuse me, is that the the circle or the small group is where that gets practiced out. Yes. Yeah. And you you can't hide. Yeah. I can hide when I hear a sermon. I go home. I have no one to question me about my temper, my anger, how I'm treating my family. Wow. Well, yeah. That's right. Nobody can say anything. Well, I'm private. Well. And there's people that say, you know, I can do this alone. Well, God even decided that Adam could do it by himself. Yeah. It's not good that a man was alone. Mm -hmm. And you see throughout the context of Scripture that there's very few people that did it all by themselves. Right. I mean, you have Moses, you have Paul, and they did do some isolated things. But if you realize how many people they were around in that process, yeah, there's times when God wants you to go out by yourself. I get that. But by and large... The names that Paul wrote about in the 16th chapter of Romans, mm -hmm. there's a list, I mean, a list that the whole chapter is names. Yeah. Jesus had 12 people, three people, one person. Man, that's good. And, and, and at times it, it, it changed. It wasn't always like it would have been his parents when he was younger, but then it wasn't. Jesus went with his disciples, and then the longer he got, he had three of those guys. And then when he come down to it, he had one. So the, so the danger, would you say, the danger of not being a part of, of sort of group life, as we would call it, is you miss out on the relationship aspect, which can quickly, if you're not careful, lead to just a bunch of sort of religious attitudes. Like, I just come to church, I do my thing, and then I leave. It's just very consumer-driven. Yes, because God always designed us to be in relationship. Yeah. That's how, if, if, you, if the greatest things ever going to happen when we get to heaven... He's not going to ask you about your accolades or what degree right. you had, or he's not going to ask you what title you had at your church. He's going to ask you, uh, you know, you didn't treat that person very well. Right. And you didn't treat this person very well. And how did you interact with this person? It's not going to be about anything title related. It's going to be about people. Yeah. Totally, completely about how I interacted with people. So from a practical standpoint, relationships are obviously a very important part of this whole small group culture that we're trying to build here um, in specific in next gen. Yes. And we do say, you know, real life change happens best within the context of real authentic relationships. How can you explain kind of practically how that works? Like what are you not to say that it's formulaic per se, but what are some some steps to helping develop that? Well, Jared may be able to speak to this as much as anybody because we had to do this inside of kids ministry really quickly. Yeah. Because we went from a large large group setting mm -hmm. yep. to a much smaller classroom environment, which made our kids be known yeah. more, which mm -hmm. one of our mantras here is to know God and to be known by others. That's right. It was a big deal for our kids, and it's a big deal for our students because we, we had to, well, first of all, you have to have buy-in of adults, your workers. Yeah. And one of the best things we've ever done is to get our workers away from a door yeah. and into a kid's world. And get them doing. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're, they're actually the ministers in the room. That's right. We do not consider ourselves even the communicators in our classrooms. 
that we are the ministers. We set up ministry. Yeah. And we basically, we absolutely judge our communicators based on how well they have set up a small group. Yes. Yep. Jared, you want to speak to them more about that in our kids' classrooms? Yeah, it, it, it's kind of a, a mantra we have everywhere, but it's the whole the idea of one step forward. But, it, I mean, he hit it pretty well just with getting our workers away from a door and more involved in a kid's life. And, I, I mean, a great case in point of this, I can't say it wouldn't have happened in the large group environment. I yeah. think the likelihood of it happening in the large, when we were first through fourth grade all in the fellowship hall, when you've got three, four, five hundred kids all in one room, um, in a very large room, <laughs> that uh, I, again, I don't know that I can say it wouldn't have happened, but I, ju- I do remember there, that uh, there was an instance where uh, a girl raised her hand. It was this was when it was third and fourth grade. In the third and fourth grade environment, a little girl raises her hand for the uh, invitation. She gives her life to Jesus, and she's bawling. And and I, I don't know if you know this, but like third and fourth graders typically don't have that kind of emotional response right. to getting saved. Usually, it's a pretty happy thing. It's pretty exciting. Um, and she is like f- physically disturbed by something. And one of our small group leaders noticed this and walked over and talked to her. Mm. And come to find out, I mean, just had, through, went through a crazy series of events uh, just a few months prior to this. And and it, and it was that like that day kind of marked something in her. She she stopped crying because she got connected with Sunny, and her small group leader. And then Sunny was always looking for her. Yeah. And every time she came in, Sonny would, would go talk to her, see how she was doing. And then before long, she was bringing her siblings with her to church. They got saved. And then it wasn't but maybe a month or two after this that she ended up bringing her entire family because of this one girl, her entire family, 10 people, wow. came to church, got saved, got baptized together. And so a, an entire family is changed because of it's because of small groups. That's right, uh, and, and it's incredible. I mean, yeah. And, and the crazy thing, I was the one that did the message that day that she got saved. And trust me, it wasn't me right. that had anything to do with that. It was entirely Sunny because if if that's where it had ended was the invitation, and then we just moved on. I'm telling you, not only would that girl's life gone back to what it was, that entire family would not have been affected the way that they were. Yeah, man, that's good. It's, but it was all because of small groups. Right. It was all because of small groups. And that relationship there, mm-hmm. the relational equity that, yep. that our leaders build with our, our kids and students is so crucial. We, we've also had numerous times where a kid comes in and you can tell something's not right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And come to find out, in a large environment, we'd, we would have never known that this kid was struggling with something like, uh, my little brother died. Yeah. We would have never heard that in a large environment. It was so much easier for them to just slip slip through, and that's exactly what happened. And and we yeah we wouldn't have known. But we couldn't now. care for them. We we just we think we're doing ministry, and we were the, at the best we could. Mm-hmm. But when it got down to small group, we stopped doing the ministry, and our volunteers started doing the ministry, yeah. which makes our volunteer equity go up. The people that want to be involved go up because they get their hands on. That's right. Just the mess that the enemy tries to create in a kid's life. We act like kids don't have problems. Yep. Well, there's numerous. You read through the book of Matthew, you can tell. I mean, there's death. There's the enemy's trying to stop them from doing different things. So a kid's world is a very messed up world in our culture because of you have blended families. And I'm not saying every blended family is messed up, but... The kids are the ones that struggle with this the most yes, mm-hmm. because of decisions that are made by someone else. 
And, you know, sometimes they just need a place. Yeah. That they're known, and I I know that person. And that's something you just mentioned about uh, just the the buy-in from our our volunteers. Once we gave them that ownership, uh, for me personally in the student ministry side of things, I saw um, just an increase in consistency with our leaders because now there's, there's a reason to come, not just, well, I got this task to do. There's it's someone depending exactly on Exactly right. There's yep. someone like, I need to be there because so-and-so is counting on my, my few, my group, they're counting on me to be there. It's the best thing any of us have ever had. Commitment. Yeah. Yep. Not to a project, but to people. Yeah. And you can, you can get much more buy-in, and you can ask for a much stronger commitment That's right. when they have their hands on taking care of what God's given us. And, I, man, I believe this, too. If, if relationship ultimately is the conduit through which all, all of the life change that we're talking about takes place, then we got to focus on, man, creating the environment for our leaders to be able to build solid and strong relationships. And to me, one of the main components of that is, is time. It, yes. it is that consistency. You know, the, the, the sunnies of the world that, that connect with those students week in and week out, that opens the door for, for students and kids alike to trust our leaders um, and I mean, I think that's so huge. And once once you commit and invest the time, and they trust you, then I think you you're you're opening up doors to where you can begin to speak the truth into their their lives. Yeah. I think that's so huge what you just said because I think it can be easy to think we've got to take them end zone to end zone using a football reference right. here you every week. I, I do love sports, <laughs> um, but but you know I I think it, like Pastor Greg was saying at the beginning that we can reference those five ten people that have made an impact right. on our life when we can't remember the past five sermons that we heard. Um, I can tell you first and last name at least seven of my youth leaders when I was in youth group 16 years ago. Wow. And many of them I still have some kind of contact today. That may just be through Facebook, um, but even just a few weeks ago, we took a trip, flew out of Dallas, and one of my youth leaders from when I was in youth group, he lives there. We didn't end up getting to make it work, but we were going to meet up to have dinner. Hmm. And this is a guy, the only reason I know him is because of knowing him through my youth group. He was one of my youth leaders, and yeah. he was a friend of mine. But he invested in me for years. Yeah. And I can't tell you how many times we hung out, and there was no spiritual conversation, trust me. I mean, we were talking about stupid stuff. But I can tell you this, though. When 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 crap hit the fan, he was one of the people I went to. Yeah. Um, back then, and, and I mean, it was, it was a big deal. It was a game changer. He built the relationship. He put in the time, and it was the same thing for Sonny. It wasn't that weak everything changed. It was over a course of time with this little girl that made a huge impact. And even to what Pastor Greg was saying, like, kids have problems. This little girl was going through some crazy stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, Her sister had just lost a baby. Mom, mom, I think, was on and off drugs. Dad was in and out of jail. Like, kids have problems. Oh, yeah. Well, sometimes, using your sports analogy, sometimes we only want to see the highlight reels. Mm -hmm. You know, when we watch our sports networks or whatever, and we just get a synopsis of what happened during the game. They only show the great plays. Yeah. They rarely show the grinding <laughs> and, the, and the pounding of, of just consistent yeah. football. Yep. Or they, they rarely show fumbles unless it results in a score from the other team. Right. Or any setbacks or anything like that. And as a leader for our own church guys that we're talking to right now, I just want you to know, we feel like it's important 
that you're there for the highlight reels for Sonny, but Sonny was there for a fumble. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's good. Or an incomplete pass or an interception. That Something happened in this kid's life that completely altered and turned the momentum of her life. And somebody's got to step in and say, hey, it's okay. I got you. Yeah. That's coaching. Yep. Yeah. Or even I, I know for me, and this is probably one of the reasons I don't watch sports, and this is a bad reason, but it's when, when they first down, they always do a handoff. The running back tries running straight up the middle, and it equates to a one- or two-yard gain. Every single time I see that play, I think it's the most boring play in football. And it, that, that never makes it on ESPN. Right. Never, unless, like you said, unless it's like a one-yard, they're on the one-yard line going for the touchdown. Yes. That never makes the, the highlight reel. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it can be the same way in a kid's life. The week-to-week, it can feel like we're not making any progress or yeah. we're, not, we're not seeing the fruits of what we're putting in. And the truth of the matter is, and the difference between sports and ministry is, you may never yeah. see the fruits of what you're putting in. You're sowing right. seed, man. That's, yeah. what, that's what this that's is exactly all about. exactly right. And, you know, honestly, it's, it's good sometimes to hear this because I think, you know, I know that I, in the past, when I was volunteering years ago, and even, even when I'm on staff, there are days where I feel like, man, I'm not... We're not winning. We're not gaining any ground. Um, yep. But we're just sowing seed, and, and we have to trust that God will do what only God can do with the seed that we sow um, and yield the fruit in the future. Which, with this, this, all, this goes back to the philosophy that we rolled out this year, um, that 70%, yeah. 70% of kids will walk away from the church, will walk away from God, will walk away from their faith when they turn 18, when they graduate high school. But being connected to one adult... That's small groups. That's what small groups is. Being connected to one adult yep. outside of their parents cuts that in half. We're here to eradicate the 70%, yes. and we can do it. Yeah, we can. Yeah, we can. That's awesome. Well, hey, that's about all the time we have. Pastor Greg, do you have any final words of encouragement for our leaders as they go into groups maybe this weekend or Wednesday? Listen, guys, thank you for what you do, first of all. It's a big, big deal. We may not say it enough, and we're never going to be able to reward you properly. But there's somebody watching. He sees. He knows you. He knows you by name. The struggle you have with that little middle school kid that's, you know, just obnoxious, annoying. The kid that you come into your classroom, it's a third grader. It keeps, he won't sit still. You, have, you never know what's going on at home. Mm. Love him anyway. That's good. Invest anyway. You won't get all the questions right. We may even send you the wrong kind. But that's why you have the Holy Spirit. You, you use what God's given you. Uh, we appreciate what you do. Thank you so much. Kids, eternal lives are at stake what you do every week. So we want to say thanks. That's right. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to the Next Gen Podcast. Until next time, I'm Sam Woods.